this morning, I want to talk about uh, simply this, enjoying God. And I pray that God will really speak to you and speak to your heart. So let's just pray, and then we're going to get right into it. Lord, we just want to thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your presence. And God, we just ask, oh God, everything you so desire to do, let it happen, oh God. We thank you for your sweet presence this morning. We don't want to miss the point. We don't want to rush on ahead, oh God, Lord, just with our programs. But God, we just want to always just open up our hearts and be sensitive to you. We love you. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, worship was such an awesome time of just loving and honoring God. Just want to honor Tim as well for just taking that time to say, Lord, we, we sense and we want to do this, you know. And I really feel like there is a, you know, we always say there is a shift, you know, and I really do feel it. Uh, last night I was at a youth camp and it started at 7.30, but the message only started at 10 p.m. because the young people were just worshiping, people were just falling over and the Lord was just moving mightily. I went back home, it was really late. I tried to go to bed, couldn't sleep toss and turn, toss and turn. And I said, Lord, is this something you want to say to me? And the Lord said, turn to Matthew 25 verse 7. And when I turned to Matthew 25 verse 7, it says, then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lambs. And they were preparing for what God was going to do and that the bridegroom was coming. And I just feel like the Lord's just saying that, you know, there is something new and fresh that he wants to bring into the land and to be expectant and come with open hearts and says, Lord, what is it that you want to do? We always want to be ready for you. I think it's even harder for people who have grown in the church for a long time. I'm 34 this year, not super old, not super young as well, but been in the church since I was a kid. And I've heard the word, there is a new thing coming. The fire of the Lord is coming. There is revival. It's a new thing. And one of the things I need to guard myself to do is always to keep a very tender heart, a tender heart before the Lord that says, Lord, I must follow. I must trust your word. I will go where you go. Lord, if you ask me to go here, I will go. Lord, if you ask me to stay, I will stay. God, if you ask me to do this, I will do this. Because Lord, when you look at us, you're never sick of us. So why would I be sick of all of your words and all of your visions and all of your plans and all of your prophecies? Lord, let me not miss the point. Put myself central in this universe and see how you fit in all of it. That is not the narrative. The narrative is this, Lord, how do I fit in your plan? Keep me small and keep me humble before you so that when I look at the things of God, they will not be utter foolishness because I hear the Spirit and not use my mere wisdom to try to discern the things of God. Amen. And this morning, I really want to talk about what it looks like to enjoy God. And it is not a frivolous question to ask, do we enjoy God? Reason being because our primary call and purpose, the Bible tells us this, our life's call and purpose is to worship God and to glorify Him. Isaiah says we were made for His glory. Every single thing, every creature, everything, every person, every nation is made for the glory of God. Psalms 86 verse 9 says, The nations that you have made, they will come before you, they will worship you, and they will glorify you. For us as individuals, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 says, Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. Even all of the good works that we do, Matthew 5 says, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds, that they may glorify God. Not glorify you, not glorify the church. Glorify God. 
1 Corinthians chapter 6 says that we have been bought with a price that this body is not our own. Therefore, with your body and your spirit, glorify God. To behold Him, to adore Him, to throw our praises at Him. But living in a world that we've become so central, it's so easy, my friends, to miss the point. It's so easy to come out of alignment and not glorify Him. It's so easy to miss the point. A few weeks ago, we were talking at Generations Worship Team, and we spoke and we shared about worship is not the means to an end, it is the end. Worship is not a means to an end, it is the end. If our call is to glorify and love and worship Him, then when we come here, it says, I will make room for you. Or we sing, what a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. We are completely living out what we are called to do, which is to glorify Him. And it's not a means to an end. It's not a time that we stir the ground to shake the atmosphere so that God can do something. Worship is not a means to an end. It is the end. Our goal and sole purpose in our life is to glorify the Father. And so many of us Christians are so unhappy all the time. Some of the most unhappy people who seem to know God are so unhappy because we have a chip on our shoulder and we've slowly missed the point in all of our self-ambition, in all of our selfishness, in all even of our good intentions that we forget that really all that we do, whether in song, whether in work, whether in family, in all the things that we do, the goal and the purpose is to glorify Him. And when we miss the point, we try to find that purpose in our assignments. And so we have many of us who love God and say we know Him, we find ourselves in jobs that we go, actually, what's the purpose of my life? We become parents and we go, what's the purpose of life? We become teens, we become, what's the purpose of life? And every point we're trying to find the purpose, maybe in a new assignment, in a new job, and some of us are waiting for a conference to happen, for a prophet to call you out and say, this is your purpose, you will burn, you'll become a doctor, and then at the fifth year, you will come back to the same question, what is the point of life? And we have confused the assignment and the purpose. Our purpose is to glorify Him and that is what we're called to do. So whether I'm a doctor today, whether I'm a driver tomorrow, whether I'm a writer today, whether I'm a pastor tomorrow, whether I'm a singer today, whether I'm just a son tomorrow, all I am here to do is to glorify the Father and He is not a means to an end, He is the end. And everything else that we do, the assignment, the work, all these things, they are the means to the end. All of our work, all of our assignment, all of the things that we do are the means to an end, which is to glorify Him. But how long and how many times have we treated God as a means to an end of a better life? And then when we don't see that better life, we don't see that breakthrough, we question God because He has always been the means. Some of the most complaining people on Instagram I've seen, at least in my page, are sometimes the Christians who have so much grudge against God. God, you know I serve you. God, you know I love you. God, you know I wake up every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and I sit through the service and I wait and I pray. And Lord, I didn't get that promotion, but this dude who doesn't even know you is not even an honest chap, he gets the opportunity. God, how is that true? 
And then we take two routes. One route, either you go, God, I'm sick of it and I'm done. And I'm telling you, you're living a life that really He is a means to your end, which is the glorification of yourself. And we must be careful because it is fruitless to live in that manner. Or we will come before the altar if you have enough perseverance, endurance, and you will weep at the altar. Lord, I pray and I will stay with you. I will stick with you until I see that breakthrough. And while the Lord commends your faith, it doesn't negate the fact that the focus is still off. You are trying to press through still for Him to be the means to an end. But instead, it is for us to say, Lord, rain or shine, heaven or hell, Lord, anything, oh God, Lord, no angels, Lord, nothing, oh God, Lord, Lord, I will glorify you because that is my life's purpose. And we will find a people, we will find Christians that are, can be in the most difficult and painful jobs or the most difficult situations and their joy is not robbed because they still get to live the end no matter what the means may be, which is, Lord, I am here to glorify you and I am here to love you. And we cannot forget our first love. We cannot forget that this is our call. And it's even harder when we live in Singapore and we, I'm not just in Singapore, in this world where men is everything, everything is to please men, that it's easy to find ourselves in this place. I've been to a few youth camps and recently I was at one of the youth camps where there were a lot of children and um, there were about a few like eight, nine-year-olds and during the camp there were about 50 to 90 of them and as the worship was going on, all of the kids just did this. And that's fair because they're still trying to learn and figure out God. But in the best of intentions for of us as youth ministers, somebody came up and says, come on, this is not a time to be silent, scream out. And it's of good intention. And the kids just did what they only knew what to do. And so a few more times, come on, because we put so much effort in the youth camp, guys. We really put a heart and so, and you know, we pray. We pray for four hours every day. It's about time, God, to move. And the kids just win. Later on, I spoke with some of the leaders and I just said, hey, give it time. Spend your life and spend the next few years just taking time to help them to see God because they can only worship to the degree of their revelation. So we cannot just force someone to go, hey, come on, come on, come on, come on, and stir. And maybe they could by the social pressure. But if we recognize that we're here to glorify God, then regardless of atmosphere or vibe, let's just continue to glorify Him. Let's not, let's just worship Him. And let's teach people how to learn to see God and spend our lives helping people to see God. Whether at 18 or 20 or 30, or maybe some of them only at 50 years old for the first time will say, God, you are good and your mercy endures forever. And it's from within. Because we know this, God doesn't look at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. In Revelation chapter 2, we read of how the Lord was speaking to the church of Ephesus. And this church was known to be a church that really loves the Lord. But somewhere along the way, they've kind of missed the point. Revelation chapter 2, it says this in verse 2, I know your works, your, 
I know your works, your labour, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered, and have patience, and have laboured for my name's sake, and have not become weary. What an amazing church. Persevered, had patience, laboured for his name's sake, and have not become weary. Really got a fighting spirit. But then, in verse 4, it says this, Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. In the next verse, it gives us three things that the Lord instructs them to do for those of us who have left our first love. And this morning, I really wanted to remind all of us, do not leave your first love. Do not forget our purpose and our goal of our existence. We read in Ecclesiastes about how the author goes and is thinking about all the things about life. And then in the end, it says, everything is vain. Everything is vanity. But at the end of it all, it comes to this conclusion. The whole duty of man is to do this, is to fear God and obey His commandments. Our worship is not a means to an end. It is the end. When we, every time we gather in this hall, we sing, Oh, praise the name of the Lord our God. Oh, praise His name forevermore, for endless days. We will sing your praise, O Lord, O Lord our God. We can stand and we can sit completely satisfied that we've lived our complete all. And we know we're more than just here to bring a song. Romans chapter 12 says, Therefore, offer your body as a living sacrifice, for this is your reasonable worship. Lord, all of my life, I can wake up fully satisfied. I can go to work fully satisfied. I could be in the middle of the storm fully satisfied. I could take on a new job and I don't see a career progression and I know that God is at work, but I still can be fully satisfied. Well, outwardly, it feels like I'm wasting away. I know that inwardly, I'm being renewed. Lord, I have not missed a point. My life's goal is to glorify you. And what a people we will be that when they look at you, they won't ask, ha, huh, I know why you're joyful. You just got the promotion. You're like, yeah. I know why you're joyful. Your kid just got into that university. You're like, yeah. And it's easy because then we're just like anybody else. But we know that all these things have a shelf life and it's fruitless. And so we say, God, my life's calling goal is to glorify you. Wherever you place me, Lord, it is to glorify you. But that's going to take time. That some of us need to think about, are we putting so much time in our feet and our assignments? We guard our job so much. We guard our assignments so much. We guard our ministry so much. We guard our wealth so much. We guard our reputation so much. We guard our relationships so much. But the one thing we don't guard is our hearts being tender towards Him and says, God, I love and glorify you. And Lord, for all my days, I want to do that and I don't want to miss the point. Help me not to miss the point. Three things the Lord says to them. The first is this, remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. 
The first thing he says, remember from where you've fallen. Now, as single parents, you hear this line and all you hear is the word fallen. You're not supposed to remember that you fell. You're supposed to remember from where you have fallen. Remember of the first love. Remember of those times with the Lord. Remember the intimacies with Him. I've shared this before at a previous service about how there's so many of us, right, that we've had these intimacies and connection with the Lord, but at some point we have forgotten them or we've cheapened them. I liken it to this example. Is imagine you met your spouse at an old chunky shop, right? Ten years ago, you were reaching for the same curry o, and your hands touched, and you're like, oh, baby, ooh, ah, wah, ah. And then you guys got married. And at your 10-year anniversary, this is what you did. At a really nice dining table, you, you meet your wife, and then you take out the curry pack, you say, baby boo, right? And she's like, oh, my goodness, you remember. And then the table across goes, huh? It's only old chunky, what are you talking about? That's four grand, my friend. And they don't understand the intimacy and the history and the secrecy between the partner. And a lot of us have seen God in the skies, have heard Him in nature, have seen God in our most tender moments, but at some point you forgot, or at some point you heard someone else's story, or maybe someone made a comment, ayah, coincidence, then you go, ayah, maybe it's true. Can you imagine that wife who was like loving that moment and someone says, ayah, it's just a curry puff. She goes, ayah, it's just a curry puff. You don't love me. Are you even real? Is this love real? And they've missed the point. Remember, the moments and the sweetness that you have with the Lord, for they are secret and precious between you and the Lord. And for someone else, it may be insignificant, but for you, it is everything. I remember when I was in children's church, you don't have many, many trials at that point in time. There was no handphone, but I remember I would call my friend. And so I, I picked up the landline and I called my friend. And I, I called my friend once. And then he was engaged. And I was devastated. So I prayed, God, would you please call this person to pick up? Then I call again, boop, 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 hello. I'm like, yes, praise the Lord. And then at Sunday, a children's church, they say, anybody got a testimony? I was like, me, me, me. So I go up and the teacher's like, all right, let's hear it. You know, last week I tried to call my friend, he never pick up. Then I prayed, then he pick up, praise the Lord. And the children's church teachers were laughing. But that was everything for me. It was really personal and sweet. Who told you? At what point did you begin to break the history of the Lord and you come in here as if there's no history between you and Him? Remember from where you have fallen. Second thing is repent. If you go, Isaac, I cannot remember anything. I'm sure you can repent. I'm sure you can think of something. You go, Lord, I'm so sorry for the things that I've done. A repentant heart is important. That, Lord, every time we come before you, Lord, I am sorry for the things that I've done. Lord, I look at your holiness and your beauty. And God, I repent. Repent of the things that you've done. Repent of the things and the works that does not please the Lord. And the last thing is this, to return to your first works. Remember from where you've fallen, repent and return to your first works. What were the things that you used to do with God so intimately? in your moment of saying, Lord, I love you and I glorify you. And really, when you came for worship, it was not about like, oh, am I moving right? You know, is the singer singing right? Is the harmonies awesome? Do I like the flow and the rhythm? Is the one that like, I want the person to check out? Like, is she there? Like, 
you are just completely like return to that first works of loving and adoring him. Return to that first works of reading the Bible on a daily basis. Return to that first works of kneeling before Him when you come to worship. Return to the first works where you really didn't care about what anyone else thought and you say, God, all I want to do, all I want to do is worship You. Yes, my heart, it burns for You. Return to your first works. A good story that really captures all of this is the story about Obed-Edom. And we hear about how David was bringing the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem. And as he was transporting the Ark of the Covenant, I don't know for what reason he forgets about the holiness of the Lord or he gets so caught up in the excitement or the assignment, he does not bring the Ark of the Covenant the way it should be brought back. He puts it on the cart and he brings it, you know, and then of course we hear that the car was about to shift, the Ark of the Covenant was about to fall off. Someone reached out, the Lord striked. And then David, it says in Chronicles, in First Chronicles, that David was angry and he was scared. He says, Lord, how? Why did you do this, God? So caught up in the maybe assignment. And this is what he does. He doesn't bring it back. He says, I'm going to put it in someone's house. And this house is Obed-Edom's house. And I always think when I read that, I go, I wonder what, the, that, what does that look like to put the Ark of the Covenant in Obed-Edom's house? If today you have the presence of the Lord and the Ark of Covenant, where are you going to put it in your house? Do we put it beside the shoe rack? I don't know. Is it like a tabletop? Do we put it at the center? Is it in front of the TV? Is that disrespectful? I don't really know. I imagine that when Obed-Edom received the Ark of the Covenant, it was really central. It was not a side affair. It was not something that I need once in a while. It was everything. And the same is to be asked of us. What does the presence of God look like in your life? It's one thing to know. It's another to believe. It's one thing to know that He is good. It's another to live in a way that He really is good. It's one thing to know that honesty is a good thing. It's another to believe and actually live that out. What does the presence of God look like in your life? And this is not about trying to condemn us or guilt us because the truth of the matter is if you are forced to do something that you don't really believe in doing, it's going to be fruitless as well. All of us, maybe at some point in your life, you had this really like, you know what, I'm going to be fit. I'm going to be healthy. So some of us, we go to Decathlon, we buy all these weights and we put it all over the house. You say, you know what, this is the discipline life. I know that it is good. So here's what you do. You downgrade your fridge to a really little small box. You put all the dumbbells everywhere, the bench press, and your whole house is fitted out with all these fitness gears. And maybe day one, you're like, yeah, yeah. And then after a few weeks, I'm telling you, you can have the dumbbells on the door, on the window, in the center, on the TV, or, or under the remote, everything. And in, after a while, you will be able to see, you won't see all of it. You go home and you're like stepping over that dumbbell, under the bench press, over the pull-up bar, everything. And that little fridge is all you see all day. <laughs> and it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And some of us, the Word of God is like that. The Word of God and God's presence is all over. But when you don't value it and you don't see it and you don't spend time and take time to nurture what you have agreed and said, Lord, who you are and that, Lord, your kingdom reign in my life. Eventually, it's so easy to come into the house of God and the spirit of God and the move and everything's happening, but all you see is, wow, that auntie that called me fat. 
Wow, the sound is out of tune. Wow, the preacher's shirt very big. Wow. And you miss the, your laugh, which means it's true. <laughs> what does it look like for the presence of God to be central in our lives? And here's what's exciting, and the, and the worship team can come up. Obed-Edom receives the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant in his house, and David hears about how Obed-Edom is blessed. And so David goes to the house and decides to move the Ark of the Covenant. Here's what's really cool. He hears about the Ark of the Covenant, which means, number one, he remembers from where he had fallen. He remembered the goodness of God. And then it says he repented. He says, we did not consult the Lord of how we were to move. I went ahead of myself. Lord, I am sorry. And the way he began to transport the Ark of the Covenant was different this time. He worshipped and he sang and he just loved the Lord. And that's why David is known to be a man after God's heart. And then he returned to his first works, which is to move the Ark of the Covenant again. This morning, I want to really simply ask us, do you enjoy God? Is God a means to an end of a better life? Or is God the end? And every means is but... Hello? Every means is but a vehicle to glorify the Lord. Will you come back to your first love? Would you remember from where you have fallen? Would you repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. As we grow older, repentance even more. And would you return to that first works again? Will you just rise to your feet? We're going to pray. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.